0: Paper Flower Consortium, Episode 7, Crosses and Coffins. Recording by Loretta Fabron-Enfoy, former lady of the Kingdom of France and the current historian and librarian of the Paperflower Consortium. Beloved initiates and other listeners, over the last few lessons, I have spoke of the vampire powers in the Bloodline of Agatha. But for you to decide if you truly want to be a vampire, you must also know our weaknesses. There are plenty of myths and legends of the vampire's weaknesses, surrounding water or silver or gold or crosses, And though I do not doubt that some of them may affect a vampire or two, there is only one species-wide or near-species-wide weakness that I know of, and that is the sun. Vampires are creatures of the night, and our sun will consign our flesh to ash. However, there are many stories of this mythical daywalker, so it is possible that our allergy to the sun isn't even species-wide either. Now, because I am speaking of our allergy to the sun, I must clarify a horrid point. Movies love to show vampires fully dressed when they die, and Norma tells me it is to ensure an R rating or better. However, especially layers of linen and wool offer sun protection. Exposed body parts may begin to smoke, burn, or blister, but it can take days for a healthy vampire body to fully burn, and even a weakened vampire's can take hours. Remember, assuming a vampire can get an infusion of human or vampire blood, they will begin to heal on their own, even if they're badly burned. In fact, I showed this in Lesson 3 when I described Alice and Derek caught in the sun. Now, many people, especially in Western cultures, believe crosses can stop vampires, but that's just foolishness. There are hundreds of religions in the world. Other than Jacob, all the founding members are Christian, as are most of the second and third generation vampires in our coven, so we look at crosses, statues, or paintings of Jesus and Mary or the Holy Family all the time. We certainly aren't afraid of them. The vampires of our coven have also never shown pain at looking at Buddhist symbols and statues. My beloved Sho, Michelle, and Mi-yong have a lovely shared shrine and prayer room and also have private shrines within their condominiums. In the Paperflower Consortium, we do not have any Muslim or Hindu vampires, though we do have a few enthralled humans from those traditions, and we have never seen their relics bother us either. And there are vampire members of those religions within Strawberry Fields, our sister coven in Bellevue, and they have never complained of looking upon their religious artifacts or ours. Even apostate, agnostic, or atheist vampires don't seem to mind relics. Jacob never forgave God for allowing Agatha to be attacked and murdered, and later turned into a vampire. But as he might have lost his land or title, been tortured or burned as a heretic or apostate, he never denied Catholicism until we came to America. Jacob has been to thousands of services during the centuries which he has been a vampire. Marian pretty much skips services, but she shares in our fellowships, And Norma, much to Derek and Pascaline's sorrow, simply doesn't care about God or gods, as she is sure that God or gods don't care about her. But still, on the nights which Derek invites her over, she quietly attends services with him and Pascaline. So I believe that that debunks the myth about crosses. However, the need for coffins and earth are very real. Sleeping the sleep of the dead is essential for a vampire's long-term health. Our modern existence depends on the sleep of the dead. That is why we teach initiates to sleep in their coffin long before they are vampires. As vampires age, we are blessed and cursed with unnatural strength, speed, and stronger hearing and eyesight. And due to the energies that our undead bodies expend, we must sleep the sleep of the dead. When I say sleep the sleep of the dead, I am also saying good health to you or blessings be upon you the sleep of the dead heals us and ensures our minds are clear. A vampire with a mind fogged with exhaustion becomes short-tempered and dangerous. Our condos were designed to hold heavy stone sarcophagi with firewalls between each unit and strong beams between each floor, but realistically, since we don't have an elevator, we rarely see vampires who want to use stone coffins. While some prefer an older wooden-style coffin, honestly, most seem to prefer a newer casket. It's all preference. Regardless, during the initiation period, it is expected the initiate will buy themselves a coffin or casket in the first year and begin using it to get used to it. And those with less financial privilege will often test out a few other vampires' coffins in order to decide what works for them. Most vampires find the back support of a well-built coffin just as good as any firm mattress. In fact, for us older vampires who do not live with modern mattress technology— our coffins were the best sleep we ever had. Inside most coffins of the modern vampire are lined with velvet or satin or cotton or linen, really a fabric of the vampire's choice. Many vampires also have quilts or blankets and pillows, which keeps a vampire warm as well as dead in the sound. Some younger vampires line their coffins with memory foam, but I personally find foam a little too warm for my taste. But then again, I sleep beside my husband each day. Some long-term couples sleep in one larger coffin, such as Charles and I, while some long-term couples sleep in individual coffins, such as Pascaline and Derek. And just like the materials of the coffin, it's really all preference. Due to many modern movies and books, there are many myths that make some vampires fear the coffin. The biggest myth is that vampires are helpless within them. And to a certain extent, that is true because many species are vulnerable when they sleep. However, if you open a coffin's lid, it is quite likely that the vampire inside will awake because the real reason to sleep in a coffin is to deaden the sound outside the coffin and sleep in complete darkness. Beyond the need for a coffin, there is also need for Earth. It doesn't really have to be of our homeland, but it does need to hold our memories. Memories of childhood or, in Agatha's case, the memories of her children. Norma has shown me many movies where the vampire is lining their coffin with the dirt. That is just foolishness. As creatures of the night go, vampires are fairly fastidious, and so most of us put little bits of dirt in jars which we lay near our pillows to ensure sweet dreams. Though humans and pets sleep the sleep of the living, Some choose to sleep in coffins, as their vampire sponsors do. Though some sleep in beds, once again, it is a personal choice. For tonight's history, we will be returning to 16th century France. Agatha had not had a good day's sleep in ages. Part of it was switching to sleeping in the day had not been easy for her. And of course, there had previously been several years of adventure, of traveling to France with Jacob and learning the ways of the French court. While Jacob was asked to kill monsters to prove his loyalty to France and noble blood, Agatha was a courtier. Now, this was centuries after the Inquisition in France, and while Agatha was Catholic and Jacob pretended to be Catholic, she feared being called a heretic. She feared the son. After her adopted father-in-law died and Jacob became lord of a manor, his stepmother, Marie, still living at this point, asked Jacob and Agatha to find her another husband as she felt she was too young to be a widow. And Jacob and Agatha obliged her, and she would go on to bear a son and two daughters for her second husband. And then Agatha and Jacob were alone in the manor, and Agatha still could not sleep. So let us go now to the kingdom of France under Louis the Twelfth, 7th of January, in the year of our Lord, 1512. My Agatha still does not sleep the day. Trying not to wake me, she paces the halls, careful not to step in the sun. I would do anything to ease her hurt and fear, but nothing seems to help. She is a God-fearing woman, though God does not deserve her. Only touching her Moldavian earth gives her relief, though then she is flooded of memories of our children. How she misses them, especially Irina, who is now a mother herself. I also miss our children, but sometimes I wonder, does Irina's light words bear the truth of their existence, or are those words created to ease our distance? Is Irina as gentle as she seems? Is she truly her mother's daughter, who just happens to have my eyes? Is Arter as brave as a soldier should be? Did Petru want to be a spice merchant, or was it simply a good option? And will little Daciana throw off her sister's teachings as a midwife and go to war with her brother as she really wishes? Who knows? They are but strangers to me. And they will be forevermore. Today's events have proven that to be true, if nothing else. Worse... Now I must be satisfied with my wife's unending pacings, as it gave me warning. We have been so careful these past years. And since we have been settled, we have not seen even one vampire until now. At dusk when I rose, Agatha wrung her hands and her brow was creased. Agatha informed me that while she was instructing the servants, she saw a hooded young lad creeping around the manor's north wall. Something about this boy chilled her. She asked our groundskeeper if he had hired the boy but the groundskeeper had not hired anyone. And as Agatha watched the lad, she realized how carefully he was to remain in the shade and how he hid his face from the sun. And so she followed him. And the vampire turned to face her, and Agatha caught a glimpse. He was tall, but he was younger than she thought, maybe 12, perhaps 14. And when the boy caught her eye, he scurried off. And whether this is my vampire intuition or simply as my past as a soldier, something deep inside me knew that this boy is a scout. I wish I had not stabbed Gaius. I wish Gaius was here to guide me in vampire relations. Agatha and I have killed vampires and we have run from them, but that was before we had a home. And my lady will not be forced to tread the road again. I have spent the dawn hours with the magistrate. The groundkeeper's son was taken from his bed and found drained of blood upon our land. We cannot let the villagers believe it is us. But it is obvious that another vampire is here. Perhaps that boy, perhaps someone else. Agatha tried so hard to save that poor little moppet, Now comforts the poor mother who is beside herself. The groundkeeper's son rests in the chapel to ensure he does not wake. Because if he does, I will kill him. Insertion. I will not read the entire journal entry for the 8th of January, just the parts which are applicable to the story. We have not seen the boy, but a local dog has gone missing. I searched the village and the valley and the wood. There is no sign of either of them, but I know he has taken him. And when I find this lad, I will kill him. And Jacob's account continues to the 9th of January. So I have seen our enemy in the wood, daring to cross into my hard-fought lands. And I would have preferred it if my lady had remained safely inside, but I could not force her to stay behind. Though a woman has no claim to land in France, this country was won by Agatha's wisdom as much as my sword, and it is hers as much as mine. So Agatha rode her Palfrey, Junette, beside me and Castor. Insertion. Jacob, in all of his journals, always calls Castor his warhorse by name. And then I heard a whisper on the wind, a subtle shift in the farmland as those creatures approached. And Agatha whispered beside me, "'Do you hear that?' From Castor's Saddle, I saw them slinking towards us across the frozen ground. Twenty-seven vampires crawling as if they were animals. And then I realized some limped, some dragged, useless limbs, and under their dirty rags were boils and black tumors and, give a the plague. I knew I could not be touched by the Black Death now. I could not let them stay in my county or any of my lands. The villagers would fear the Black Death, But moreover, the villagers would fear those who did not die of the Black Death. They would know that something was wrong with them, something was wrong with us, Agatha and I, and the villagers would revolt. I could not shake the thought that this might have been my beloved Agatha's fate if I had not come with her. These creatures were warped flesh, trapped in flesh, trapped in night, uneducated and wandering, These creatures were led by a vampire in a nun's habit. At least she walked as a human walks. I shouted hail to her. The nun looked up at us, and I realized I had seen her before in our early days of France. We ran from them, but now I know I should have killed them then. And she called up at me and said, Lord Jacob, we have heard of your great deeds to the crown, and how you... Among all vampires have gained favor to the king. We beseech you to help us earn this favor. Before Agatha could speak, I felt my lips curl over my fangs. You, who have stolen food from our mouths when my wife and I ate in hunger, and now you have killed one of my vassals and a dog besides, and you come to me for aid. And the nun put out her hands and fell to her knees. And behind her, each of the others fell to their knees as they were able. "'We left you in peace. I am Sister Sophia Marie, and these poor souls are my charges. "'We need food, and we can offer you knowledges in exchange.' "'What knowledge do you have, woman?' I shouted. "'And she told me how she knew that Agatha wandered the day. "'And she told me they knew how to turn this entire village, "'and that I could give Agatha a thousand children to warm her heart "'for all the children she had lost in Moldavia.' And before i could speak again agatha ordered in her cold voice you will remove yourself from our land i added and you will not transform a single person within our county or i will destroy you in the name of king louis the and the sister remained on her knees you are a great and noble lady you must help us we only ask for alms and she held out her cross we have become the way we are because i made a deal i don't believe it was lucifer I don't believe it was the devil. It was just a vampire, just like us. But he rode a war horse with blazing eyes and fangs, and he left me with these to care for them for eternity. And Agatha asked, Are you noble-born? The sister spoke of her merchant class parents, who wanted her to marry, but she became devoted to God instead. However, as she spoke these words, I sensed how her creeping fellows started to slink into a position in which to attack. They were mostly peasants, not knights or even foot soldiers. And at least most of them did not seem to be armed. But I knew they had more undead experience than Agatha and I. And I did not know their talents. I still don't. I could not let the vampires get behind us. If they surrounded us, we might lose everything. The only way I could ensure our survival was to keep my eyes on all of them. I wasn't sure if I could do it. Before they could come closer, I reared Castor... His mighty hooves slashed through the icy air. Another step, lady, and I will slaughter you where you kneel. One of the creatures jumped then on Junette, and using her small blade, Agatha slashed his throat and fought him back to the ground. And then Agatha on Junette backed away, and once Agatha was out of the way of my sword, I decapitated the boy. The cut was clean, and the head rolled to the ground, and the vampire's head begged to be restored. I picked it up and threw it at the sister, and the others slunk back. And then I asked the sister, "'Can your charge be revived from just the head? "'I need not kill him for touching my lady if I can destroy the flesh.' And careful to use a gloved hand, I tied the body to a tree with a silver chain. The sister's eyes showed her panic. "'I don't know, my lord. Please return his body. "'The sun will hit him in the morning, and he is my firstborn. "'His name is David.' "'Restore him, please.' "'Then tell me, woman, how long have you survived?' I asked her. Two centuries, since the last pandemic, "'and she rolled up her sleeve and showed us the blackened tumor on her arm. "'And do you wish to survive another night, "'then get off my land and never return? "'To show you our goodwill, I will return his body to you at the border. "'It's too late now. We won't survive the sun.' "'I almost told them how little I cared for their survival.' But, Agatha said, There is a grotto not a mile into the forest. Spend the day there. But there will be no killing on my husband's lands. And I want your word before God. Sister Sophie Marie slunk towards Agatha and kissed her crucifix and then gave her word. Listening to the women speak, In my annoyance, I could not find the words to articulate my thoughts. However, I have been a soldier too long. I would not turn my back on these creatures. Yet, whatever else this lady, this sister was, she was obviously a leader of her people, and at least once she was a woman of God. We led them to the grotto. The boy's body remained unattached to his head, though I did bring it with us. After all, the last thing I needed was a commoner to find a living body without his head. I spoke the truth. I can help you sleep, Sister Sophie Marie said to Agatha. I used to work in a hospital. We work side by side with pagan healers like you. Agatha did not hide her annoyance at that. I am a learned midwife. I am not a pagan healer. The sister shrugged and said, we all have wisdom. And it was a pagan healer from Rome. Marcus was his name, who taught me to drain the pustules. His techniques healed many people. The way he described things that he saw in the world was almost magical, and I admit to you that I loved him, though he scurried away at the sight of a visiting bishop, lest he be whipped, or worse. The women gossiped, and I did listen, and I discovered many things. Sister Sophie had found pustules on her arms and armpits, and she had tried to drain them, and it grew infected. And then she knew she only had days left. She would not pray for herself, but she prayed in fervor for someone to come and protect her charges. And then, her teacher Marcus, the pagan healer, returned, and she talked about how his eyes smoldered with desire, and how she desired him, and how he told her he could ensure their patients survived the Black Plague, but there was a cost. She and the patients would never see the sun again. They would be one with darkness. And then she told Agatha how she enjoyed his kiss, and she enjoyed it when he tore into her flesh, even though she died screaming and then she awoke, starving, her habit stained with blood, and Marcus was gone. She explained how she now saw the world through Marcus's eyes, and she saw who was lying, and who was a gossip, and she ripped at the tongue of a lying gossip, and boiled it until it was soft, and then she ate it, and as any practical woman, she saved the rest for later. Sister Sophie, then created her firstborn, and put him in the room with the rest of the nun. And David made short work out of the meat, because, as everyone knows, lads are always hungry. And then they created the others of the faithful, and they ate the ones that had no hope. And that useless visiting bishop was a delicious treat that all of them shared. However, word must have gotten out, because the villagers and church officials burned down the hospital the next day. And then Sister Sophie Marie and her patients wandered France, always hungry. But they knew how to sleep, the sleep of the dead. They knew lying in a graveyard in a coffin could heal them in a way that even the meat of a spoiled bishop could not. When she told us all of this, she begged, Now please return my firstborn's head, David, to his body. And Agatha took David's head and gently attached it to its neck. She sewed the flesh so it would stick together as it healed she offered the patients a goat and a rope of sausage for the road is it human my lady david asked a little too excited no it's more goat agatha said and i warned sister sophie marie and her convent of vampires if you step foot on my land without permission or harm a hair on the head of any of my vassals or livestock i will run you down and i will kill you thankfully they understood agatha and i returned to the manor after caring for the horses and speaking to the servants, I took Agatha and a jar of her Moldavian earth to the tomb where my adoptive father lay. I pulled out the dusty mess of bones and dried flesh and wrought cloth of the man who bestowed upon me the name of ben and the claim to all his lands. I did not mean to degrade him, but he no longer needed stone to protect his corpse, but Agatha did. I swept the inside carefully and laid down some of our older ticking in a quilted blanket. Without quarrel, Agatha climbed inside. I pushed the stone lid over her, and she fell asleep and remained asleep throughout the day and throughout the next night and throughout the next day. However, this had to be a temporary arrangement. I cannot let the servants talk. Still, I took the tomb of my adopted father's father, and I slept so deep I could hear the music of my bloodline, and so strong I felt that I left my body and followed my bloodline to Gaius. He is still a mercenary for the Prussian crown with that vampire horse, Nix and I told him what I have learned and the vampires I have met with the hope that we would no longer be enemies. He just laughed in that strangely ancient merry way of his and told me he and I were never enemies. And I reminded him that the last time we met, I struck a sword into his chest. And he laughed again and said, well, at least it was my sword. And then he said that even if we were on the opposite sides of the battle, we would not be enemies, just two men who fight for different kings. And here I will stop. For the journal entry speaks of further conversations with Gaius that have nothing to do with sleeping the sleep of the dead and a lot to do with horses, the vampire horse Nyx and the living horse Caster. And now a word from our sponsor, Night Owl Extended Stay Inn. Are you a vampire, ghoul, shade, or werewolf visiting Seattle for business or vacation? The Night Owl Extended Stay Inn offers clean, comfortable lodgings just south of the city for the undead and other species. The night is staffed by vampires and the day by humans, so you can get room service housekeeping 24 hours a day. Specials for stays over a week. Check out our free Wi-Fi, the mat on site, and fresh-squeezed cow blood in the minibar. All right, on to questions. Lady Loretta, why was the vampire horde covered in boils? I know it is strange nowadays when information is so easy for everyone to learn, but the horde had no way to know the truth about the blood. They were wandering France, sleeping in the earth of their ancestors, and to a certain extent, they learned how it healed them. But they were scavengers and lived off the blood of the nearly dead. They barely knew how to hunt strong prey with strong blood. Lady Loretta, you mentioned vampires can be dangerous. What happens if they don't sleep the sleep of the dead? First of all, every vampire has a restless day or two. What I am speaking of is the chronic lack of sleep. If a vampire does not get enough sleep, they weaken. And there are several symptoms, including confusion with memory lapses or the development of false memories. Some vampires have muscle tremors or headaches. They can have depression or malaise or just simple irritability. As for the danger in it, when Norma was actually 14, she threw, for lack of a better word, temper tantrums, which often led into full-blown panic attacks. Unfortunately, surrounded by older vampires, we could control her. However, when a vampire is alone, it can bring about violent behavior. It is commonly known that Charles was sent to America ahead of the family. He worked as a trapper until he lost his coffin in the earth of France. And then he lost his memory. Though he knew his own name and how to hunt. He sort of even knew that he was a vampire, or at least he was different than the human trappers. Also, I will point out that Jacob knew he was alive. Jacob felt snippets and images from time to time of where he was, but Jacob no longer felt him and couldn't track him through the bloodline. So Charles found himself drifting from French fort to French fort, killing bears and beavers and deer and selling their skin. However, unlike many trappers, Charles did not waste the meat. And occasionally, soldiers or other trappers would come across him sleeping during the day, hidden in the shades of rock shelters or the roots of trees. If they woke him, he did not waste their meat either. And it was these moments that he was filled with human blood that he would remember me or Jacob, and he may even find coins in his pocket, and therefore made a cache for his wife and family. He would mark these caches on a map. But as he was never safe, Charles could not sleep the sleep of the dead. And then he would forget again and wonder. So, Lady Loretta, there is a difference between sleeping and sleeping the sleep of the dead. Yes, in the story I just told above, Charles was getting some rest, but he was not getting a deep sleep of the sleep of the dead. From one of my enthralled humans, I was told to say that it's like the difference between getting a cat nap in the afternoon versus a full night's sleep. As I have gone over the vampire's common weakness. On our next regularly scheduled program, I will be speaking on an undead certainty, eternal taxes. I also want to announce some good news. Norma gave me permission to tell the story of her rebirth. So there will be a special episode on her and Derek's shared death night of June 21st. Good day, my beloved initiates, and sleep the sleep of the dead. The Paperflower Consortium podcast was written and performed by Elizabeth Gazzetti. You can learn more by going to elizabethgazzetti.com slash paperflowerconsortium. If you have a question for Lady Loretta, please click the Ask Lady Loretta button or email her info at paperflowerconsortium.com. If you would like her to say your name in the podcast, please say so in the email. The Paperflower Consortium cares about privacy. And if you can afford it, please consider donating to the podcast either one time or through the Patreon. The intro and outro music was written by Evan Witt, and you can find his work at www.wittynotes.com. Thanks for listening.